All right, well, the theme from The Magnificent Seven uh, guarantees that Philip Malloy is sitting in my seat at uh, News Talk Studios in Dublin. We're here at uh, Studio 5 in WBEZ Public Radio here in Chicago as we continue to support the Irish Gateway to Europe initiative to bring jobs, money, uh, and businesses to Ireland. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you, Shorsha. You're, yeah, you're, you're, well, in, you're in Hillary Clinton's hometown, aren't you? Isn't she from Chicago? Is she? Yes. I, I know she, she went yeah. to some sort of blue stocking university yeah, yeah. in uh, in New England. But uh, the the other thing, of course, you can get a bicycle tour um, and follow sort of the footsteps of Al Capone uh, if you want to do it. Now, with me here, Philip, which makes it all work, is Sarah Liu, who is the uh, executive uh, engineer on the show. Mm. Uh, We tried to tease her out on movies and the best offering she could come up with, Philip, is Wayne's World, which (laughs) sort of shortened the conversation. (laughs) I'm sure. I have a really... I have a really good reason for liking it, though. Yeah. That is the sound design. And I'm a sound person. I'm, I'm the executive engineer. I'm all about sound. The use of sound in that movie is really interesting because the sound goes in from uh, songs that you, the viewer, and the characters can both hear at once to just what the character hears. And that's a device that teaches you like who you can trust in the movie and who you can't. Like who's in on the music with you as the viewer and who isn't. So... Well, I'm that, lost. For that's that. absolutely fa- that's absolutely fascinating, Sir Luke. I think Sarah Lou doesn't like American Sniper either, so we're probably oh, yeah, in good company. Anyway, a revival of the musical. Tell me more. Well, y- you've been asking me about this for ages. Is it, is it coming back? Uh, has it come back? Is there any sign of, uh, sign of it? You know, will it come like two buses at you know at once? That kind of stuff. But uh, what what's happened is is that we are actually it is, it seems to me to be happening that we are getting a revival um, of the music movie musical. Uh, we're getting musical uh, biopics, and then we're getting these kind of big, elaborate, expensive, I suppose, uh, stage mu- musical stands transferred to the screen. Over the last say twelve, thirteen years, we've had. Uh, Chicago, which was a big Oscar winner. Disappointing, I think, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Then we had, remember, Dream Girls with Eddie Murphy, Ray, um, um, uh, The Producers, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Hairspray, Mamma Mia, Nine, which was a musical adaptation of uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half, believe it or not, Burlesque, Footloose, Rock of Ages, big disappointment, The Miserable, The Miserable took, I think, about $440 million at the worldwide box office, so that was big hit and um, Frozen was an enormous hit 1.2 billion or something like that Into the Woods we had last year Jersey Boys which was a this one and Annie a remake of Annie so all okay, of these can I hold you yeah, yeah. on Jersey Boys because yeah. Bill Hughes who tomorrow night will be looking at the music of 1987 uh, he's a Big fan of Jersey Boys. Oh, is he? Uh, of the movie? Yeah, you're not. You know, yeah, yeah, of the movie. yeah. No, I, I kind of I liked it, but it's a very, I mean, it's a very straightforward musical biography of the uh, of the Four Seasons. And when I heard it first, and when I heard that Clint Eastwood was doing it, I said to myself, "What the hell is he going to do with it?" Um, and uh, so it is. It is a kind of, st- uh, I, I suppose. Uh, 
it, it is a, a kind of a lifelong over a period of about 30 years story of the uh, of the four seasons that ends basically uh, with them uh, with them being appointed or whatever whatever the word is to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, in New York and uh, uh, so it's that and it's it's about how they sort of were on the verge of um, of criminality at the beginning of they come from New Jersey, by the way, on the verge of criminality at the beginning of their sort of um, lives. And uh, I, I, a, a character played by Christopher Walken, who was in himself a gangster, pointed him in the right direction. So. Um, they started with this and, you know, Frankie Valli had an amazing voice, just a really unusual voice. So they started with that and they built everything around that and they became this enormous group then all over the world. All right. Um, so we may see some stuff. Given Hollywood's predilection for remakes, mm. I mean, what about remaking uh, uh, The Sound of Music or remaking uh, Oklahoma or South Pacific or uh, whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, the, well, Oklahoma and South Pacific could probably be remade. Um, I'd say uh, Sound of Music is probably just a bit too sacred still uh, for the. And and I know I mean you're going to say, well, there haven't been many others that have been too sacred to remake, but uh, that has been reissued again and again. Uh, it's a very, it's enormously sort of groundbreakingly popular um, still. So I don't okay. know if they, I, I don't know if they're they're going to take a chance with that. Twentieth Century Fox owns it, and they do very well. Out of it. Okay, last week, I want to tell you something. Last week, you talked about a biography of Bob Hope. Yeah. I bought it. Yes. Now, I these days, I buy these books and I download them on Kindle. Oh, yeah. And of course... If you travel to America, you've got eight hours in the airplane to read it, and then you've got tons of time in a hotel because you've got jet lagged and you can't sleep. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm reading it with great interest. But I would ask you a question, which mm. isn't really a question in a way almost about hope. Like, given that hope was 100 when he died, mm. and that was, I think, 03. Mm. So, like, in effect, hope is about 112 had he lived. Mm. You've got to be an old age pensioner, really, to pretty well have seen Hope in the movies. So there's the limited appeal for an autobiography. Well, of Hope, I, okay, just it? yeah, yeah, just two things on that. First of all, as you say, a hundred. He went to Hollywood under a contract to Paramount Pictures. He went at the age of thirty four in nineteen thirty seven, I think it was, um, and he did that, that movie in which Thanks for the Memories figured in nineteen thirty eight. So after that, then up to uh, he did all kinds of things, George. He presented the Oscars 19 times, but he did all kinds of other. So he had a wide range of sort of what they'd call what they'd now call platforms. And uh, so up to the 60s, um, he was um, he was very uh, popular, enormously popular on all these platforms. Then he became involved with the Vietnam War. He became involved with Nixon. And he was an incredibly uh, Sort of Nixon, as you know, was elected in I think '68. He was a big, big friend of Nixon's, and uh, 
after that, then he uh, his kind of this, the, uh, his appeal began to wane. But o- overall, you'd say to yourself, even 40 years, George, that's a hell of a span. And one of the things I love about those books is is where they actually give you sort of background history, background history of Hollywood. No, I agree. Yeah, uh, My only point is mm. we're we're nerds, though. You know, we're not yeah. your 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 average kind of person who's interested in mm. the movies. And as I read the book, which like he, he was born in nineteen oh three and mm. I, they're, they're talking about vaudeville and silent mm. movies and mm. God knows what. The the average not yet an old age pensioner person might find it pretty heavy going. Um uh, I I have a text from James and Minute who can't stand musicals. Uh-huh. Uh, when the song the dance routine starts, he fasts forward. Uh, the power is off in uh, Cork at the moment, but the listener says, if Wayne's World was the only thing I could watch, <laughs> I'd watch The Wall instead. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sorry, uh, sorry Cyril, about that, Sarah Lou. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, They're like that uh, down Wayne, in Cork. <laughs> Fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, uh, you you haven't a clue who Bob Hope was, have you? I have a clue. Yeah, have you? I have a slight clue. My, I used to watch older movies with my parents. Mm. So, Did you? Yeah. All right. She could join us on the program on yeah, a regular <laughs> basis. Oh, yeah, Did you sure. watch The Sound of Music, Sarah? I have seen The Sound of Music, yes. Oh, well, there you are. Mm. Next time you go on holidays, we got a film credit. Um, are there any big movies opening uh, in Dublin? Well, there's an absolute... Uh, there's 14 or something, but obviously we're not going to no. go through 14. Okay, so I'll, no, I'll, we're I'll not ju- going through them. So I'll just go through a few of them. But one that I'm really impressed with is uh, Grassland, a stunning uh, new Irish movie written and directed by a man called Jared Barrett. And Jared Barrett is going to be on the picture show, by the way, uh, on, on Saturday night. And uh, I think you could take five or six extended scenes out of this movie and you could t- uh, send them to producers or film studios all over the world as examples of Barrett's uh, amazing facility uh, with writing monologues or directing actors. Jack Rayner, the young uh, Irish actor, it, it, I think he, he contributes possibly his best performance uh, so far in this as a young taxi driver attempting to hold on to his job, maintain his Down syndrome younger brother, a chap called Kit who's in a home, and most of all to prevent his alcoholic mother played by Tony Collette from destroying herself. And there's a seven-minute scene, George, there's one seven-minute scene in it where the mother, that's Tony Collette's character, she explains uh, why she refuses to visit Kit on his birthday. And she manages, I think, with a kind of spare and unsentimental delivery to connect the boy, his birth, and the effect it had on her relationship with her absent husband uh, to, to sum up her view of herself and her place in her family. It's an absolutely riveting sequence, but it's just an example, one example um, of how good this movie is. It's a very, very... There's a... There's a there's a two-page review of it in uh, the British Film Institute Sight and Sound uh, magazine this week, and it says that Barrett is the real deal. And I have to say, I seriously agree with him. So, All right. So, uh, anything else? Well, there's one now that you would really, be, I think you would really be interested in. It's called uh, Child 44, and it's adapted from a trilogy of best-selling books by an English writer, a fellow called Tom Rob Smith, and it's set in Stalinist Russia in 1953. And it's 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 the story of a bright but rule sort of booking military policeman. He's played by Tom Hardy. His la- name is Leo Demidov, and he continues to investigate a series of child deaths after he's 
he's been told to stop. And Stalin has decreed that there's no such thing as murder in paradise. There's no such thing as murder in in uh, Russia. And the institutions then of the state, that's education, the police, the army, the hospitals, they're all instructed to ignore uh, sometimes kind of obvious cases. Demidov, this is the main character, and his wife, who's a school teacher, they're demoted and banished to the provinces. But as the bodies of these kind of kids continue to mount up, he insists on maintaining, that's Demidov insists on maintaining his inquiry. Now, Child 44 is, I think it's an intriguing sort of police procedural on one level. Uh, it's based on the true story of a guy called the Rostov Ripper. And then it's set against this kind of vivid political background uh, on another level. Atmosphere of paranoia and kind of paralyzing fear, expertly sustained by the director, a fellow called Daniel Spinoza. And there's two, uh, two kind of tightly woven main storylines then being fed by several crucial supporting characters and their subplots. Gary Oldman, uh, Paddy Considine, Charles Dance and Joel Kinnaman, they're all in it. I have to say I'd, I'd strongly recommend it. Is Charles Dance making a bit of a comeback? No, because he, I he, saw he, him yeah, in in uh, the the in Imitation of, of Life film as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. The, the imita- yeah, he was the, the commander in oh, Imitation yes. of yeah, Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's in. He, uh, he, he's kind of uh, one of the big things that he's done recently is uh, Game of Thrones, and uh, all right. um, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I'm not going to no, say. I'll much. Miss that. I'm, I'm not going to say much about uh, where he stands at the moment in Game of Thrones. But anyway, he's had a huge part in Game of Thrones. Um, also, right. just one other one we had to mention: uh, a, a film called A Little uh, A Little Chaos, which is Alan Rickman's second film as a director. Uh, his first one was a film called, I think it was in 1995, called uh, The Winter Guest. And it's set in the court of the Sun King, that's Louis XIV, in France in 1682. And Louis is obsessed with the kind of grandeur of his palace at Versailles. And he instructs his chief um, uh, landscape artist uh, to design an arena of unparalleled splendor in, in, um, in the grounds. So uh, what he what happens then is this this designer he um, he interviews a range of candidates for the job uh, before meeting this woman a widow called Sabine Debarra and she's played by uh, Kate Winslet and she has this kind of radical notion of contrasting order in the garden with the wildness of nature and this appeals to. Uh, the overall designer. Several critics, I think, have been a little unfair to it. I found it to be charming, gently humorous love story. And But one of the things that's come up again and again, Stanley Tukey is in supporting, has a supporting role in it, by the way. One of the things that's come up again and again is um, actors uh, speaking English with a Russian um, accent. And people have been generally been annoyed by that. I have to say, it really didn't irritate me, but it has come up again and again. Anyway, that's a li- well. This was, yeah, this was always the criticism of Con- Connery because Connery, by and yeah. large, apart yeah. from the Irish accent in in uh, in, in, in the O'Dell. Kevin Costner film, yeah, I mean, but Connery, by and large, just played whatever nationality he was with a broad Scottish accent, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, one of the things it, it tends to do 
for me is that it, it kind of draws you out of the narrative if it's overdone. You know, if you get this kind of guttural sort of, I don't know, accent or if someone is doing a French man and they're a French woman and they're obviously uh, not French. Well, what they do is they pull you out of the story, you know, and uh, I, I don't think that works. So yeah, I, why, if you're speaking English, can you not just speak English, even if it's just in a neutral sort of accent, you know? All right. Um, the, uh, All the, right. The, the, we're the, going. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go yeah. On. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to have more from Philip as we give him a chance to take a breather and to be uh, a short respite from a uh, encroaching jet lag. All right. Uh, welcome back. It's time for movies and television with Philip Malloy in Dublin, me George Hook in Chicago, and uh, Philip. We were talking about Wayne's World, and Sarah Lou here <laughs> did a doctrinal thesis on Wayne's what, World. That's oh more God. than you've ever done. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What was, Sarah? What was your conclusion? Uh, uh, bottom line mm. on Wayne's World. Uh, I analyzed the sound design. So it was it, kind of what I explained before. It used sound in a clever way to okay. get the whole premise of the movie is about selling out or not selling out. But clearly the, they've sold out if they're making the movie in the first place. So how do you play with that irony and how do you communicate who's trustworthy and the sound design was how it happened. I bet you didn't know that, Philip, when you but, were watching Wayne's World. <laughs> no, I didn't. But could I just say to you, uh, 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 just a point about the use of technology in movies. There's another, and I'll just refer to this very quickly. There's another movie out this week called The Salvation, which is a very handsome, very violent Danish Western. And it was made in South Africa and stars Mad Mick, Mads Mikkelsen. People will know Mads Mikkelsen as the TV character Hannibal. And it's about this kind of resourceful homesteader. And he's forced to take on this corrupt ex-union officer and his gang when his newly arrived wife and young son are raped and murdered. Now, I spoke to the director last week and he was telling me a really interesting thing. They used, um, first of all, um, uh, it, it was too expensive to shoot this Western uh, in the home of the Western in the United States. Uh, so what they did was, as I say, they shot in South Africa and he used 900 CGI, that's computer graphic imagery shots in the movie. And what they did was they went to Monument Valley, Monument Valley where um, John Ford shot all his, you know, John Wayne Westerns like the searchers and so on. They went there. They took shots of uh, Monument Valley and, you know, various parts of Monument Valley. And they, then they went to South Africa and they, um, through the use of computer graphic imagery, they knocked down trees all over the place. And they um, they introduced all these kind of um, um, Monument Valley scenes uh, throughout the locations. And it looks incredibly impressive it looks really authentic I have to say it seriously works I got to just say as well um, there's a big sort of supporting cast in The Salvation and one of the supporting cast is Eric Cantona as a hench henchman played called the Corsican so there you go all right. Um, uh, what was the name of the movie? A uh, listener wants to know with the name Barrett the, the, the movie it did before uh, Child 44 Oh, uh, uh, Glassland, Glassland. It's called Glassland, Glassland. Okay. Uh, is Sir Ronan any good in The Lost River? Alan and Clark wants well, to know. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of Sir Ronan's, and by the way, she was 21, I think it is, last Saturday. 
Um, I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's an enormously talented woman. She has an amazing, um, by the way, we mentioned accents a few minutes ago. She has an amazing facility with accents. Um, but uh, I don't have to say, I don't think anybody is any good in Lost River. It's the directorial debut of Ryan Gosling. And I, I, I really don't think it works at all, George. Paul Leakslip says, have you reviewed Women in Gold? I didn't see it yet, Paul, but I'll see it this week and I'll refer to it next week if that's um, okay. acceptable. Just um, just to put you in your critic's box, mm. um, Sarah Lou got an A-plus for her doctrinal thesis on Wayne's World well, on the issue of sound in the movie. Well, that's the least that I expect from her from what I've heard about her so far. <laughs> All right. Um, is, are there any uh, classic DVDs coming out that I can well, buy and go on the well, holiday well, there's one that, get yeah, something for me holiday? Yeah, there's one, George, that I'm looking forward to. I know you're interested in American history as well. And and, and I, there's there's one coming out. As I said to you before, um, DVDs come out here. That's in Ireland on Friday. And they come out in the UK on, on the following Monday. So from on Friday, there's a... Um, a box set called Turn coming out. Now, th- this this is is set during. Um, it's, it's based on a book called Washington Spies: The Story of America's First Spy Ring, and it's set in 1776-77. It's made by the, uh, the the cable company that makes Mad Men and uh, The Walking Dead AMC, and it's about. Um, it's as set at a time when the British had gained the upper hand in the Revolutionary War. They'd t- retaken Long Island, Staten Island, and New York City, and George Washington army was in dire straits so one of the things that, that they used to fight back was a, um, a ring of spies called the Culper Ring the Culper Ring and they were a group of farmers and ex-military men who had come together basically to spy for the Americans but this uh, it's called Turn it's out in a box set from this weekend I think it's 10 episodes and they are halfway through in the United States they're halfway through a second season at the moment so I'm looking forward to getting that all right. Listen, I hope I'm not putting you in a difficult position, mm. Sarah Lou. What was the fella, the spy? He was American, but he spied for the British in the Revolutionary War. And, you know, Sarah Lou doesn't know either. But he was a really bad guy. Do you know the guy I'm talking about the, now? I, I, His I, name will forever live in infamy. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. All right, go ahead then. Okay. I wanted to ask you another question. Now, I'm hesitating to ask this question because it's a very dangerous question to ask you. So be on your best behavior and give nothing away mm. because I have taped Mad Men while I'm away. Mm. I haven't seen a second of it. Mm. You have. Mm. Is it up to snuff? Well, I think um, I think the the okay. What we have is the final seven episodes, and the first one asked was the we got the first one last Thursday night, right? And uh, it's it, it's it's obvious to some. Be extent. careful now. Yeah, yeah Be no, careful. stop. We just sit down. Um, it, it's you know it's obvious to some extent that throughout these kind of seven episodes, they're going to kind of wind up. Um, they're going to. To, to basically finish up the characters and their positions. And um, so uh, I, what has happened in this one is we actually refer back to several characters in the very, very first series. Um, but otherwise, I think it's really well done, George. It's very, very well written. Strong sort of characterizations throughout it. Uh, Don is at the center of it all again. And uh, I think it works extremely well. And I, right. I, I get the impression by the end of these seven episodes, we're going to be seriously sorry to see it go. 
Okay, now I I I didn't watch and uh, too many movies on the way over. Well, watch it. Did you watch anything? Erling. Well, I was lured away by uh, the um, uh, champagne and orange juice. I was lured away from watching the, the, the movies. But I clicked into it and then fairly promptly clicked out again. Mm. It was called Battleship and Liam Neeson was kind of an uh, admiral yeah. in it or yeah, something. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I'm no, talking I do, about? I do, I do. It's actually based on, on a toy series, uh, a Hasbro toy All series. Right. Um, okay. So I think that should that's enough probably for you. <laughs> that's plenty for yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Um what about the new Star Wars? Ross wants to know. Is there a, well, a new one on the way? Is there, is there, there is a new one. We'll have we'll see it in September, but we're going to be seeing Star Wars from now until 2020. And what they're doing is they're releasing um a, a, a movie, okay, a new trilogy uh, from the kind of main uh, Star Wars franchise. They're every every two years. So we get one this year um and we get one in 2017 and then I think in 2019 and what they're doing in between then George is they're actually um, they're, they're releasing spin-offs so we're going to get um, um, we're going to get three uh, Star Wars movies made by Disney who as you know bought the, the franchise from Lucasfilm so we're going to get three of those and we're going to get I think it's three um, sp- or no two or three spin-offs as well so you're going to be Star Wars out by the time it's all over well I won't be but mm. I'm, some, I'm sure some people it'll are be, but, but watch it George it's going to be massive it'll be absolutely huge um, this year it'll probably be I, I could be the, the most successful movie of all time so, really? Yeah, I know it'll be. It'll be. I mean, there there are fans everywhere, and they're all waiting for it. So um, there's there's huge. All right, debate. I I I don't know what your mathematics are like, mm. but um. Oh, by the way, listen, I can trust my my listeners mm. on the program, Jervon, uh, many more, and they've all come up with the same answer as Sarah Lou's research. Benedict Arnold. Oh, yes, of course. And apparently, yeah. that's where Eggs Benedict comes from. Oh, I didn't know that. How? Somebody else says, not me, <laughs> not me. Somebody else says. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was going to ask you a question, and now I've forgotten it with the excitement of uh, Benedict Arnold. Uh, the the remake phenomenon, is this going to keep me away from the movies in the few remaining years I have left? No, Are they no. just going to be producing rubbish remakes all the time? No, I mean, sure, you and I can talk and, and I can recommend things to you. But um, as well, the, the, one of the things at the moment, George, is there's a wide, wide range of stuff. OK, we're getting all this fantasy stuff, uh, all the space stuff. We are getting that. But there's a wide range of smaller films, more interesting films. That film I just referred to, The Irish one Glassland is an example and um, <coughs> uh, I, so you know I, I I don't think you need to be staying at home or anything like that uh, I it, there, there are a lot of movies out there there's more movies in fact than ever before so um, and as I said to you again and again this is unbelievable it's unprecedented the number of films that are being released here um, uh, every every week now you know, 12, 14, uh, the lowest I, I think I've seen in recent times is about six or seven. So, um, uh, and the, 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 the distributors, um, you know, kind of complain that they find it very, very difficult to get places in cinemas now because there's such a, you know, there's such a demand. So, 
There you go. All right. Uh, well, you head off and have your dinner. We're mm. heading off to have our lunch. And um, we're we're thinking of uh, heading off to uh, the uh, the massive Trump Tower, Philip. And we're going up to the uh, 192nd floor or whatever the heck it is. Uh, you better watch uh, yourself. Be careful. Yeah, well, you know me with heights. Apparently, mm. there's a place here uh, called the Willis Building, and uh, you you just go absolutely haywire with the thing uh, as you as you do it. Mm. Um, so uh, the the. Uh, situation is that we're going to uh, talk to you next week yeah. uh, as always but uh, you'll be dealing with Shane Coleman who is uh, a world leading expert <laughs> on the movies of course because I'll be having my holidays yeah well you have uh, Sarah Lou over there and we have Emer here and I'll put Emer up against anyone okay alright so, so we'll see you well bye. You can get all Philip's notes and reviews online at uh, newstalk.com. Uh, we're extraordinarily grateful to everybody at WB Easing, uh, public radio here in Chicago, and particularly uh, someone you've heard during, on and off during the show, Sarah Lou, who is our um, executive engineer. And, of course, uh, tonight the Cubs are playing in Wrigley Field. Uh I think I can avoid that. Uh, baseball is even slower than cricket. 